Let's pray this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to study your word. Lord, we believe you're doing a great thing in our midst. We ask that our eyes would be opened, eyes of our understanding. You give unto us a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of him. Lord, may truth enter each and every heart to set us free from anything that binds. Lord, thank you for your help and your grace, which is sufficient now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. We're in a series called Getting Control of Your Life. Getting Control of Your Life. I trust for those who've been with us for a number of weeks um, that you are getting control of your life. And if you've been out of control to any degree that things are coming together. There's one thing I can tell you about the Word of God is that it works every single time. There's never a time when I, when I have to hesitate and say, you know, try this out, it might work out for you. No, I mean, I might tell you to go look at a, 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 a person's book and, you know, go down to Barnes & Noble and go to the self-help section and I might say, you know what, try that, that might work. But when it comes to God's Word, I can tell you this, it will work. 100% of the time if you put it into practice in your life. There are principles and keys that absolutely are unchallengeable uh, by any kind of human wisdom or argument. They absolutely work. They have been given to us by the Creator. God designed us and has given us an instruction book on how everything works. Okay? I was um, thinking of this old television program that I watched many, many years ago. And it was called The Greatest American Hero. Now raise your hand if you have ever seen The Greatest American Hero. More than I would have guessed. All right. Now this program, I don't have a full recollection uh, of all the events that transpired. But I do remember the basics was this guy somehow came upon this superhero suit. And he was a regular guy, but with this superhero suit, he was able to do super stuff, uh, superhero type stuff. But the problem was that somehow when he got that, he I don't remember what happened. Some of you might, but he didn't have the instruction book. See, you didn't know, though, that, but these things come with instruction books. <laughs> and if you don't have it, you could be in trouble. And he had all kinds of problems when he would get to flying, running into everything. And he ha it was quite a disaster. In fact, uh, he at one point found out that in order to fly, you have to take three steps. There were simple instructions like that. I mean, we obviously would know that. <laughs> Duh. But, but he didn't. He didn't have the instruction book, so he had this supernatural ability. He had all this power in this suit enabling him to be a superhero, but he was chaotic and totally out of control. His flying was something, not something to be desired. And... And he had a lot of trouble until I believe later on in the series, in the different episodes, somehow he came across the instruction book and started to learn how to use uh, that superhero suit. All right. But this is 
likewise true concerning the human race. We were designed by an almighty, all-loving, and very wise God. And most people are trying to live their lives without reading the instructions. And the principles that we are communicating to you in this series are universal laws. They're as true as gravity is true. They work just like any, as a matter of fact, truth. And the deal is with this, they work for believers and unbelievers. Well, do you understand this? That when we teach some of these scriptures, in this series we've been using scriptures from the New Testament and the Old Testament. Very spread out through the Bible. How many know in the Old Covenant, everybody was dead? Every single person was spiritually dead. They, those many had a covenant with God. And so they had relationship with God to a limited degree and experience through that covenant. But they were still spiritually dead. And they were still told what to do with some of these areas. Listen, this is because God designed us as human beings. He knows exactly how things work. And many people are running around like a chicken with its head cut off, not knowing up from down and right from left, living chaotic lives and wondering, what in the world is going on? Why aren't things working? Read the book. You're trying to live your life and control your being without reading the instruction manual. And everything is laid out very simple. You know this, in this series, we're talking about two main components to living a controlled life. Get rid of chaos. The first one is your mind. Control your mind, control your thoughts, and you'll control your life. That was true under the Old Testament. It's true under the New Testament. It's a universal principle that governs mankind. If you do not give attention to your thought life and you let it run wild, you will have chaos. All right. And the second principle that we are on now, we've spent a couple, I forget how many, two already, I think, weeks on this, is your mouth. Remember M and M, your mind and your mouth. You control your mouth. You control your life. You can't go one direction and be talking the other way. And these two keys are spread out through all the Word of God. Very, very exhaustive and a big subject in the Word of God. I would encourage you, that if you're ever dealing with trials and just junk and stuff going on in your life, don't let your first thought be, well, what is God doing in my life? Nor, nor let your thought be, man, the devil's attacking me. That's not the, shouldn't be the first thought either. Okay, even though those things can be real, the devil does attack. But your first thought ought not be, man, i got to go get some people to pray for me. No, I believe in prayer, and it's powerful, and we should be prayers. But that's not the first thought. I would encourage you to do this. First, check what you're thinking about and what you're talking about. Because many, many, many of the difficulties that we deal with can be traced back to a root of I've been meditating on the wrong stuff. I've been letting the wrong thoughts uh, dwell in my thought processes. And secondly, I've been talking wrong. I've been speaking words of death, words of doubt, words of, words of unbelief. I've been letting the wrong things stay in my mind and come out of my mouth. And I'm telling you, 
Devil or no devil, that'll wreck you. Don't need a devil. Someone said, cast the devil out of me. You don't need a devil. <laughs> Your life's messed up all by yourself. <laughs> all right? And again, that's not to make light of any kind of genuine spiritual attack. Those things do exist, but let's get our being in order. Let's get our life in order by taking the very basic principles that God has proclaimed about all of the human race, that your mind and your mouth control everything that happens in your life. All right. It's better than you know. Amen. I'm preaching better than you're amen. <laughs> James chapter 3. Everybody there? This is our text. We've already read this. Uh, verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. He's a complete, mature man. And what, what about him? He's able also to bridle the whole body. So if you don't stumble in word, you control everything. You're able to bridle or control like a bit in the horse's mouth. You control everything if you don't stumble in your words. If any person speaks what they believe in their heart, it will happen. This is a spiritual law. God created us to be this way. When something gets established in our heart and then comes out of our mouth, it happens. It happens. That's so simple, yet it's eluding so many people. And many have allowed negative junk to get established in their heart over many years. And what's the inevitable result of that? It's going to leak right out their mouth. And it will be like a magnet to draw that negative junk into their life. Many times people are speaking things they don't believe. And they're not just going to happen just because they speak it. But if we speak a lot of stuff that we don't believe, it's not going to come to pass. But what it does, it affects our heart in a negative way. It has that pounding effect. Bam, bam, bam. Over time, bam, bam. You know, well, I, I, might go, I might go over to the wall over here. And uh, I might start hitting on it. Start kicking it, hitting it. And you might see a few smudges. But I might not be able to knock a thing down, you know, without some stronger equipment. But how many know if I hit long enough and continue all day long, week after week and month after month, eventually I'm going to do some damage to that wall. Eventually that thing's going to come down. And that's what happens with us. We think, oh, that didn't hurt. Some, some negative words coming out, oftentimes out of our own mouth. And, you know, oh, that didn't affect me. Not, not like it came to pass. And so our confidence in the whole way that God designed us is lessened. And we think, ah, oh, you say things and it doesn't really change anything. You speak and nothing really happens. But you're hitting the wall. And you start saying stuff more. And one little word, it might not be the thing that changes everything. But you keep saying it. Over week after week and month after month, and eventually something's going to crack, 
hmm, and it's going to get down on the inside of you. Now, think, think of your heart like the heart of an avocado. You, you, the, the heart of a, of a watermelon. It's the very center and the very core. If that gets messed up, everything's toast. If our heart is not protected and we're speaking words against ourselves, words of death and destruction and doubt and unbelief and all kinds of nasty stuff, it's going to have an impact on the very core of who I am. And if that gets affected, it's only a matter of time until it starts manifesting in my life. That's why Proverbs says to guard your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And how do we do that? One of the big things, what affects our heart? Man, our words do. Our words do. And this is what we must be watchful of because our words affect us in a negative way. You're in James 2. I want you to back up a few verses. James chapter 1 and verse 26. It says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart this one's religion is useless this is quite a statement just because a person has a system that they live by they have guidelines and rules a code that governs their life they've decided to live their life that way he said it doesn't really matter if that person doesn't control their words their words are going to override that whole system. They're going to over, overrun every kind of code and belief that they live by because their words will get into their heart and actually deceive it. And if a person's heart gets deceived, it doesn't matter what you call your religion or your rules or guidelines that you live by, you won't be able to continue it. It will become useless to you if you don't watch your mouth. Our words are going to absolutely control where our ship is going. Where our life, the direction that it is taking. If I want to go a certain way and I've established these boundaries and these guidelines saying this is what I'm going to live by. My words have got to agree with that. My words have got to be consistent with what I've set out to be the goal of my life. Or I will run right over the edge of the edge of the street there. I'm going to get right off track and right off path from what I've uh, desired uh, to have happen in my life. Person deceives his heart. I want you to look at Mark chapter 11 today. Mark the 11th chapter. Laying this foundation here. Well, this is part 7, but <laughs> you know, foundation for where we're at today. Uh, Mark chapter 11 and many of you know this verse. If you do, you're excited about it. If you're not excited about it, what does that mean? You don't know it, even if it's underlined. Mark 11, verse 23. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his, what? Heart. But believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever 
he says. Again, this is a spiritual law that Jesus set in motion that we would have whatever we say when there is agreement with our words and our heart. He said if a person would not doubt, that means to differ. It means to waver. If a person wouldn't have something different in their heart than they have in their mouth, it would absolutely happen for them. This is, a, this is amazing that God would entrust us with, with such power, with such an ability to change things in our own life. He said, if you can just get it established in your heart where you are convinced of it, all you have to do then is speak. He said, even with a mountain, a mountain will literally move out of your way. That's how powerful these principles are. And so I've got to have the same thing in my heart that I have in my mouth. And how many know one of the best ways to convince your heart of something is to let it out your mouth. And what you speak and let be a regular part of your life and conversation will have that pounding effect. Bam, bam, bam. And it's in a good way this time now. It's getting inside of you. It's getting inside of you, getting inside until there's a perfect agreement between your heart and your mouth. And then you have not whatever God says, you have whatever you say. So I just believe whatever the Lord says, that's what I'm going to have. You won't. According to the Word of God, you have to say it. I'm just waiting on the Lord. Just, just uh, you know, though I believe the Lord's going to do something for me. He's not. Sorry to burst your bubble. <laughs> the Lord has already done something for you, and now the requirement is that you put what He has done for you in your mouth. Sound more of a quiet person. Well, that's not all bad, but you have to say something. <laughs> I mean, you're probably safer than the person who blabs a lot. If you're more of a quiet person, you probably don't say as much wrong that hurts you and gets you into trouble. But at some point, you have to verbalize. You have to believe what you say, but you have to say. And then God's power and operation gets sets in motion, and it brings to pass in your life what's supposed to happen. Now, back to that principle in James 3, 2. If we don't stumble in word, we're able to control our whole body. How does a person stumble in word? Let me give you three things. How does a person stumble in word? They do it when they're motivated by fear. Number one, they're motivated by fear. If ever you're afraid, watch your mouth. Because that's often the time when people say the wrong thing. When they begin to speak words of uh, uh, neg negative stuff, unbelief and, and doubt. And they speak um, the opposite of what they want. Words of death. When you're in faith, speak. When you're in fear, zip it up, unless you can control yourself to the degree that you can say the opposite of what you're feeling, and that would be helpful. That would be beneficial in that situation. But people often stumble now, therefore don't have control in their life when they're speaking out of fear. So, you know, if you're going to the doctor, going to have some tests done, watch your mouth. If you find yourself getting afraid... Man, what if it's a, man, what if it's a this? What if it's a cancer? What if it's a, uh, what if they find something like this? Watch your mouth. So are you saying that really has something to do with it? I really am. 
I'm really convinced that that's what the Lord Jesus taught us. It really does matter. So if you're feeling afraid, that's the time to get in the Word and see what the Lord has promised you and say, thank you, Lord. I believe you're faithful to me and I will not fear. I will not be moved. I refuse to worry. Cast all my care upon you. I believe that you're taking care of me. Life is within me. And it doesn't matter what the report says because uh, either way, you are my victory and you are my strength and you are my health. And if they give me a bad report, I'm coming out. If they give me a good report, fine, then let's keep going on like we are. But watch out that you don't let your mouth connect to your fear because that's when it can begin to take root in your heart and therefore manifest. Number two, how does a person stumble in word when they're too quick to speak? When they are too quick to speak. Oftentimes when people don't have any kind of check on their mouth, they just readily respond emotionally to every situation and circumstance. That's when they'll say things that they regret. And if you're feeling high emotion, you're quick to speak, watch out. Do you know that this is, a, this, is a, this is a rule now? This is okay. You don't have to say everything that comes into your mind. In fact, if you've made a habit of doing that, there's a lot of people that don't like you. <laughs> now, you're in a safe place here. We believe in love and forgiveness, so we'll forgive you for everything you've done. But if you say everything that comes into your mind, I've guaranteed you've messed up some relationships. <laughs> I guarantee you've hurt some people. Hmm. Guarantee you've probably done a lot of damage to your own life. But if you're quick to speak, and some of you have even gone to this point where they, uh, they take pride in it. They say, well, I'm open. You know, I'm an open book. You know, I'm a, I'm a realist. You know, and every time I think something, I'm going to say it just so people don't, I'm not putting on anything. I'm not a fake in any way. I'm just going to tell you what I think. Well, I'm going to tell you something, too. <laughs> you've got some growing to do. You've got some maturing to do. Because if you say everything that comes in your mind, I guarantee it's not all good. I know me. I'm a pretty good guy. I love God. I love you. But I have some thoughts sometimes that are not godly. And I'll be quick to admit it. They pass through my mind. I think, hmm, where did that come from? Now, if I had, if I had zero control, and I'm not saying I have never blown it. I have. But... Uh, if I have zero control there, I'm going to be saying every thought that comes to my mind. Amen. Pastor Allen, you know this sometimes when you're preaching. <laughs> you got to discern what thought, is this a thought from the Lord or, <laughs> or is this not? I don't, mean, I don't mean that it's usually negative or bad, but it's a, it's a constant thing we're dealing with. What am I going to say? What am I not going to say? Hmm. And we've all probably said some things that we wish we hadn't, but too late. It's already out there. But this is how people stumble in word now. Therefore, have out-of-control lives. They speak too quick. This happens positive and negative. Sometimes people say things that are of a, a, a positive nature, and they really shouldn't be saying it yet. I, I, I was thinking earlier, I guess I'll use this again. Uh, when I was single... And most of my friends were single. And, and even the first number of years I was in what we call full-time ministry, uh, I was still single. And, and then, of course, dealing with teenagers a lot and, 
and college age people that are thinking about relationships and dating and, and, and marriage and all that stuff like a lot. I got to deal with all that kind of stuff a ton. What, what I've seen sometimes is people are too quick to speak. And now this is almost a positive because they're not putting anyone down. But sometimes when people, uh, young people or old people that matter, but single people, they begin to uh, take interest in someone else. I've seen many times they're far too quick uh, to respond emotionally to that person verbally. And they're feeling it. Ooh, they're feeling the goosebumps and feeling excited. And they're uh, sometimes so quick to say, I love you. I just love you. And I'm thinking, well, you know, when I've had people tell me that they told someone that, I thought, really? You didn't really tell them that already. You didn't really say, but I feel that. Well, that's the problem. All you're basing that on is a feeling. And don't get me wrong, feelings are a part of the equation. We thank God for feelings, but they need to be viewed as dessert. You know? You don't have to have them, but they're nice. But if you don't have a feeling, it's not required to keep things going. Everybody know what I'm talking about? People oftentimes respond too quick before thinking about what they say. And they make that, that statement of throwing that around so quick. And I thought, eh, I don't know about that. I don't know if you remember this. You pro- I'm sure you do. I know, I know the first time I used the L word <laughs> with Amy, I had given a lot of thought to it. And it wasn't something where I was just at the peak of uh, emotional high. And I realized when I was sharing this earlier that it sounded totally unfun, <laughs> non-romantic the way I was expressing it anyway. You, uh, but I gave calculated thought because I know, yes, emotions involved, but that's not the basis for a marriage. It's not the basis for a long-term relationship. If you've been married for a while, you know that. You don't always feel it. Sometimes you feel some other stuff. Hmm? And you've got to realize it's not all about that. There's a commitment that's more important than that. And uh, the feelings will come and go. And hopefully there's, you know, they last your whole life. But you know they're just not every day, not every morning, and, <laughs> and uh, everything else. Okay. So when I decided, and that's, the, and that's why it almost sounds so, probably ladies are going, really? You just decided it, huh? <laughs> I did. Because I wanted it to be more than a feeling. And so I told her that I decided right? She forgot. You'll remember. But I told her uh, that I've decided, and that was the first time I used that I love you phrase. It wasn't at an emotion. I've decided to do it. And in my mind, now this was prior to our engagement, but in my mind, because she didn't know what's going on, but I was already there. Because I wasn't ever going to say that to her if I wasn't going to marry her. Now, I realize our language, we use the term love in, a, in other contexts, and it's fine. Brother and sister, body of Christ, we love each other, and it's totally appropriate to say that to people. Uh, but this was a different context. How many know that's, that's a little different? I wasn't saying I love you in the Lord. <laughs> I love you, my sister in Christ. No, I was thinking some other stuff. 
I was thinking a little bit beyond that. <laughs> All right. And so using that phrase to me was almost like, will you marry me? Even though I used that phrase, wasn't very much longer. You, you, you remembering any of this yet? <laughs> Is this coming back? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but the point again here is that when we don't watch and think about what we say, that's often when we stumble. We say the wrong thing and therefore lose control of our life. We must always consistently say the right thing. It's easy to say that. It's another thing to do that. Say the right thing. Especially this comes into play, though, when speaking words that bring life or speaking words that bring death to a person. Amen. No, did I give you number three? Here's number three. Number three, how some people stumble in their word because they are trained to be negative. They are trained to be negative. How did that come about? Sometimes people grew up in a negative family. And they heard from day one, mom and dad being negative. They always point out what's wrong. The glass is always half full. There's always everything is not going to work. And if there's five things that are good and two things that are bad, they'll talk about the two that are bad. And they've been trained through their life to speak negatively about everything they see. And if you've been trained that way, you might not even realize it. You might not even recognize that you're just really annoying. <laughs> you're, sorry. You're really just not that fun to be around <laughs> because you're always talking about what's wrong. Hmm. That's just not very enjoyable. We've got to be, listen, even if there are some things wrong, talk about what's right. Even if things aren't working, don't make that the centerpiece of your conversation. There will always, for as long as we are here in this life, be something wrong. Are you listening? There will always be something we can find and point to that is not the way it's supposed to be. It's falling apart. It's not working. Even if the right guy gets in the White House, everything is still going to be wrong. When I say everything, I say that in a loose sense. Around the world, there's still going to be problems in the country and all around the world. In, 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 another, in another four years, there are going to be a couple guys coming up talking about how government's broken. You know what I'm talking about? Everything's not working. And there will still be problems. No matter how much someone promises, I'm going to, I'm the Messiah. <laughs> Sorry if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, 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 everything's going to be fixed. Everything's going to be okay. No, it's not. Not. We live in a fallen world. Now, I don't mean to be, you, you sound negative. <laughs> Here's the point. There will always be something negative to look at and to talk about and to focus on and to speak out of our mouths but we must avoid the temptation you're going to watch the news you're going to watch one good story and nine bad stories murder rape destruction 
That's going to make the news. It's going to continue to make the news as long as we're in the world as we know it today. And so we must watch out. But here, you know, here's the good news. Even if you're in a very difficult situation and circumstance right now, it's not going to stay that way. I promise. No, I don't. <laughs> I'll get to that later. It, uh, it will not stay that way. Say, how do you know? Well, I can tell you, worst case scenario, at some point, if you're saved, okay, if you're not saved, hmm, worry. If you're saved, okay, at some point, you are going to die, and you are going to have all problems forever gone. That's all of us. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how difficult this world gets, at, there's coming at a point in time where we're all going to be eternally relieved of every difficult thing. Glory to God. Oh, it's going to be. And that's the, see, that's worst case scenario. I'm not believing for worst case scenario. I like to believe for the best, that God has more for me, and that things can change in my life, in this life. And even if I'm in a pit right now, I believe I'm on my way out. And based on that, the first thing I said, or the second, I can be positive. I cannot focus on the negative. Even if I had zero faith to get out of my problems in this life, I can still resolve to be a positive, joyful person. How? I just have to focus on heaven. If that's the only thing I can do, do it. At least I won't make everyone else miserable. Hmm. Maybe we might figure it out if every time we get around you, you talk about heaven. We'll figure out that, okay, you have no faith for this life. And you don't believe anything's going to change, but at least you're focused on that. But in the meantime, how many know the Lord has given us great and precious promises? And, uh, and by these, we uh, partake of His divine nature. And we can overcome in this life all the things that confront us and, deal, and, and, and that we're dealing with. Amen. If you're dealing with the situation, I heard this phrase a while back. And this is, this is really good. It went like this. If you don't like something in your life, change it. If you can't change it, change the way you think about it. Let me know that fixes it. It fixes it from a standpoint of making a person depressed or joyful. many, many things we can change. But let's say, for example, one of those things you can't change is your mate. How many know that's one of them? If you're married and don't know that, if you're single, know it quick. <laughs> so you mean after I marry him, they're not going to change? Well, yeah, they'll change for the worse. That sounds negative. Well, listen. The outward man is perishing. The inward man's renewed day by day. So even if the relationship gets better and better, and that can't happen. How many know when people get married, say in their say in their twenties, that's the best they're ever gonna look. 
You think you're going to look better as you get So be prepared. There are a couple of us, huh? (laughs) But you think about a husband and wife, and man, that guy just does such and such, and it just annoys the fire out of his wife. She is so tired of him being that way. But after, you know, 15, 20, 25 years, she finally realized she's not going to be able to change him. What can she do? She has two choices. She can either remain frustrated, remain irritated, and let it cause fights and let it cause problems, or she can decide, I'm just going to change the way I think about what he does. And you know, just like that, tension is removed. Just like that, there's peace back in in, in your own life. Amen. You know, he might think, the toilet paper goes along the wall. But you and I know that is so wrong. That is... (laughs) And you can try to change someone. Amy changed in that regard. But she is a special person. And not everyone can learn that lesson. And so you have to understand, okay, they're not going to change. I'm just going to have to change my mind about that, you know. It's like here, we got some great help. People come in, volunteer, and clean uh, the church building and everything, do a great job. But they're really messing up in the bathrooms. (laughs) It goes the other way. Now, I'm not going to be mad at you. I just refuse to be negative. So I just decided to change. When I go in there, I change it around. (laughs) And then we're good. And so, ultimately though, why live a negative, frustrated life? There's a way for you to be happy. It's either by things around you changing, and that can happen a lot. Or it's by you saying, you know what, this is an area I can't change, so I'm going to change the way I think about it. Amen. So people are trained to be negative. How many know there are two words that should never go together? Pessimistic and Christian. There should be no such thing as a negative Christian. A pessimistic Christian. Well, I'm a realist. No, you're not. You're negative. You're looking at things. You're looking at everything that's wrong. Pointing out things that are wrong. There will always be things that are wrong around us. But we should be the kind of people that focus on what's right. Because if I don't, it's going to get in my mouth. And if I start stumbling in my words, I'm losing control. If I don't control my mouth, I don't have control in my life. Amen. Ultimately, we shouldn't be, like James said, bringing forth fresh water and bitter water from the same place. How about all fresh? Amen. Well, i got a long ways to go. Everybody Okay. No, we won't, we'll just have to, let's just speed it up a little bit. Everybody okay with that? When people are, are stumbling in their words, they're saying things that are hurtful, sometimes to other people, sometimes to themselves. Those are words of death. They say things that are false, sometimes even not knowing that something is false. It can still bring harm to a person if they're letting it out of their mouth, because their mouth, again, it's, it's controlling their ship. 
all right? Sometimes people are quick to speak words that disagree with everybody else. Have you ever known someone who disagrees just because they can? How annoying is that? Every time you say something, they say the opposite. Just because they can. They disagree. Well, quit. We don't like you. (laughs) No, I mean, we just don't like it when you do that. I'm speaking for the rest of the human race. I'm authorized to do that. (laughs) But this is how people stumble in their words. Uh, The other thing is dealing with lies. In other words, you know what's true, but you say the opposite. Whenever a person knows what's true and they say the opposite, that is severely undermining this law that God has set up to govern the human body. That we get something in our heart and speak in agreement out of our mouth. If I know something is right on the inside of me and I speak the opposite, there's a, uh, there's a contradiction there. All right? I must believe the things that I say. How many know if I'm telling a lie? I know for certain that what I'm saying, I don't believe. I'm disrupting the whole process there. That is not how we can do this. I want you to uh, look at Ecclesiastes with me, chapter 5. I was going to look at Matthew 12. Uh, We're going to skip over that for now. Uh, But let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Usually people can find the Psalms. Kind of right in the middle. Ecclesiastes. Well, let me say this before before we read. Again, I want to watch words that come out of my mouth that are harmful to me, words of death. I don't believe it's a wise thing at all to even jokingly say, well, you know, winter's coming, I'll probably get sick. You know, flu season, you know, I always get a flu this time of year. Or my allergies are acting up. I would never say my analogy in the same sentence. And now you may have done that. That may be a part of your life. But if you understand the power of your words, you'll stop saying that. And you'll stop making it your own. Say it like it's going to make a difference. Hey, don't believe me if you don't want to, but I'm telling you, this works. I'm telling you, this is the instruction book, and you can learn how to fly. You learn how to operate with the way God created us. You've got to believe a certain thing and then say it. But if you say something wrong over and over, it has a pounding effect on your heart. It gets established. And it takes a root in there and it's hard to get rid of it then. Say the opposite. Amen. Don't, don't joke around. I'm going on a trip. Probably getting a wreck and die. It will sound silly in our context, but people do this kind of stuff all the time. They just joke around. I'll probably get in a wreck. Probably slip my throat. Probably... You know, probably break an arm, you know, they're joking around with this stuff. Man, don't, don't. There's lots of ways to be funny if you like to be funny. Uh, If you need attention, (laughs) there are other ways to do it. There are other ways to get get attention. You don't have to fill your mouth with words of death, even if you're not serious about it at the moment. Saying those kind of things over and over impacts your heart. Now look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, chapter 5, verse 2. It says, do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. Notice we're not talking about just dealing with each other. He said, before God, 
make sure you don't say anything hastily. Well, why is that? He said, for God is in heaven and you are on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Let your words be few. Don't talk a lot. He said, for a dream comes through much activity and a fool's voice is known by his many words. Say, I really like to talk. Watch out. Because that's how a fool's voice is known. By his many words. He said, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Who is the fool? Person who's talking too much, making vows to God. Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go here. I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to... And they're making all these commitments through their mouth. He said, don't delay to pay it. Because if you don't do what you said you would do to the Lord, you are a fool. He said, pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. He said, it would be better if you just didn't say anything. Now, this is not the recommendation that we never say anything to the Lord. But if you're going to say stuff and not do it, he said, you'd be better off just being quiet. Just be better off not saying anything than to say something and not follow through on what you said. He said, do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. In other words, oops, I didn't mean to say that. Oh, I know I said that, but, you know, I mean, I didn't, I just wasn't thinking. Or... You know, when people make commitments, or in this case they're talking about what they did in those days, a vow to God, sometimes it's in a high moment. In a church service, God is moving. <sighs> the anointing, you've got goosebumps all over. And it's just like, man, God's spirit is here moving. This is powerful. Love is in the atmosphere. The glory of God there. People are doing stuff. And, and in that situation, people will say, yes, I'm going to do it. You know, and I'll be there and I'll give this. And I'm going to, you know, all this stuff they're saying before God. And they're not thinking. How many know that we're not supposed to check our brains at the door? And we can be moved on by the Spirit of God in a powerful way, but that doesn't mean that we are just supposed to irrationally, without any kind of forethought, just make all kinds of commitments to Him. And then later, go back on it. Say, well, you know, it was an accident. I don't really know what I was doing, and I kind of got caught up in the moment, and I said some stuff, and the Bible says you're a fool. Hmm. Ah, but the church, you know, they were, they were building a new building, and it cost millions of dollars, and, and we were making uh, commitments to have a part of that and to, uh, to get involved with that. And, man, I, so I just said, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give X number of dollars and got home and realized I don't have anything close to that, <laughs> never have, and yet I've made this commitment, this vow to the Lord. And uh, he says, don't do that. Don't do that. Know what you're getting into. Know what you're saying. Don't let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? Let me show you one more thing before we finish today. Matthew chapter 5. 
Matthew, the fifth chapter. And verse 33. Jesus said again, you have heard that it was said to those of old. So talking about these folks who were under the law, the things that they had heard. You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. Your vows, your oaths. He said, that's what you heard. You should, you know, not do it falsely. You should perform these things. But I say to you. Do not swear at all. Not talking about cussing here. Talking about oaths. Do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is, it is His footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. All these things that belong to God, which you have no control over. He said, uh, nor shall you swear by your own head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. Of course, that's naturally now we can. <laughs> but again, out of their control, swearing by all these things that aren't going to help. He said, but let your, let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Whatever, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Now that's quite a statement. Don't make any oaths. Don't make any vows. Don't be, don't be doing that kind of stuff. He said, just say yes. Or no, anything beyond that's from the devil. Well, why would you say that? Something beyond that is from the devil. Here, here's the deal. If a person has to add an oath or a vow to their word, they are telling you in the same breath that their word is not good. They are telling you that I frequently lie. It's common for me not to do what I say, but this time, I'm going to not only say it, I'm going to add an oath to it, so now you know I'm serious. Jesus said, that's not good. People do that nowadays. It's called using uh, the phrase, I promise. I don't say that. I don't tell you I'm going to do something and then add, I promise. Why? I'm calling myself a liar. I'm saying that I'm unfaithful to my word and I have to bolster it up. I have to prop it up a little bit so now you really know that what I'm telling you, I'm serious about and I'm committed to it. I should be committed to everything that comes out of my mouth. Hmm. And when people say, I'm going to do it, I promise I'm immediately questioning you. Why do you have to prop up your word like that? Why is it that you can't just say, I'm going to do it? And that will bind you to that word, and you'll not let anything take you away from it. You know, as children, some little kids, at least in, in the olden days, <laughs> they would say, they would make a statement, and they'd say, I'll do this, cross my heart, and hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. <laughs> All that sounds bad to me. I don't want any needles in my eye. I don't hope to die. But again, why would someone say that? Because just their word all by itself is not good. 
And Jesus said, anything else beyond a yes or a no is evil, is wicked. It's just tell, you're just telling someone I'm a liar. I don't do what I say. My word is no good. I'm going to prop it up this time. I've had people ask me before, uh, not recently, but years back. I'd say something. Oh, yeah, they asked me to do something. Will you do that? Yeah, I'll do that. I'll go ahead and take care of that for you. You promise? I don't like that. Why? You're questioning my word. So what's your response? My response is, uh, I just did promise. My word is my promise. I mean, no, the promises of God throughout the word of God, throughout the Bible, are not promises because God followed up each statement with, I promise. You say, I want to find the promises of God. And so you do a little search, concordance search on, the, on your computer and put in promise. You're not going to find them. <laughs> That's not how they're written. Everything God says is his word. He's faithful to it, and he'll never back down on it. And that's the way we need to be. Okay? What does this do? This gives great power to our words. Where everything we say, because we're committed to it, we already know in our heart that when we say something, we believe it's true. And if I can exercise myself that way, get myself into that kind of habit where I believe the things that I say, I'm going to have some powerful words that are going to be able to change lives, my life, other people's lives, circumstances all around me. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, don't turn there, says, For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit you love life want to see good days i gotta tell you it's all wrapped up in here wrapped up in your mouth you gotta not speak evil things and you'll love your life and see good days amen father thank you today for your presence thank you for your help thank you for your grace that is sufficient for each and every one of us lord we believe that you're doing great and mighty things in us and you're helping us to understand the main components to living a controlled life. Lord, thank you for your help. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your strength in us now. You're doing a great and mighty thing. And we give you all the praise for it. Father, I do pray and ask that you would touch the hearts of each and every person here who is not right with you.